I'm Evan, and this is what's happening on the Hill. First of all, if you're visiting with us today, we want to say welcome to Shelby Christian. We'd like to invite you to stop at the I'm New Wall in our lobby to meet some of our team and grab a gift. If you have been coming for a while and you need to sign up for our Pathways class, we'll meet this Tuesday night from 6 to 8. You can grab dinner and childcare, and you can sign up for steps 1, 2, or 3. Parents of third to fifth graders, you want to make sure you get your students signed up for Super Start at Northeast Christian Church, March 10th and 11th. We have a sign up on our website under the Children's Ministry tab. Ladies, you want to mark your calendars for March Mondays. We're going to be meeting each Monday in March from 6.30 to 8. Be sure to check the e-news for more information. Now, if you remember, you've been asked to scoot up a few rows, so please do that now while we watch this baptism video and celebrate with Dan Hayden and his family, and then let's get ready to worship. Good morning, church family. Will you stand to your feet? We're so glad you came into the house. Can I read this real quick to you? It's in Psalms. It's 95. The NIV uh, version says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Come let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker for he is our God. We all have a reason to sing this morning. Amen. Let's sing to him. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy
Amen. Amen, church. You can be seated. Well, good morning, church. It's a wonderful morning to be here. It's going to be warmer today. I'm going to enjoy the sunshine. I don't know about you, but I will. You know, I like to read a lot of things, and I came across this article that came from National Geographic. Did you know there are between 30 and 50 million armadillos in the United States? Did you know that between a quarter of a million and a half a million of those armadillos end up as roadkill? You would figure with their leathery and their very, very hard armor outside shell that they would maybe stand more of a chance. But staying in the middle of the road is not a good idea. In fact, National Geographic says that the nine-banded armadillo's hapless propensity for being run over by cars has earned it the name Hillbilly Speed Bump. I think part of the problem is we like to stay in the middle of the road. And the problem is when you stay in the middle of the road, you you don't have to take a stand on anything. You don't have to argue for your faith. You can just stay the narrow, the comfortable road. Well, today, Dave's going to be preaching on the church in Laodicea about how they were not lukewarm. They were lukewarm, not hot or cold. And this morning, my prayer for you is that you won't be cold or lukewarm, but you will be hot for Jesus Christ. Jesus gave his life up for each one of us. There was never a time in his life that he was lukewarm. He always knew what his mission was, and we should know what ours is too. Let's pray together. Father God, as we take time now to share in communion with one another, Lord, we just pray this morning your Holy Spirit would just fall upon this place. That you would continue to anoint the worship team as they lead us towards your presence. That you would anoint Pastor Dave as he comes and brings your word to us this morning. Father, we realize how much you love us. And your word says that your love endures forever. That there's no height, no depth, no thing on this earth that can separate us from your love. And Father, I know the ultimate love came when your son came and walked on this earth, gave his life up for us. So this morning, Lord, as we take that little piece of bread and that juice, may it remind us of your son's body and your son's blood that was shed for us. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.
blessed assurance Jesus is mine Oh, what a foretaste Of glory divine Heir of salvation Purchase of God Born of His Spirit Washed in His blood Perfect summation All is at rest I am my Savior And my being blessed Watching and waiting Looking above Filled with His goodness Lost in His love This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song.
kissing hallelujah I'll raise a hallelujah In the presence of my enemies I'll raise a Hallelujah Heaven comes to 
and we come to worship a God who saves and changes and makes things new. So let's sing a little louder. Let's sing a little longer. Come on, let's go. Would you change some lives today because of their being here in your presence with this family and help us to come around them as those changes take place. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. 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 I'm so glad you guys are here today. Man, how many of you know far more about Armadillo than you did when you got here this morning? Get out of the road. Get out of the road as quick as you can. You know, life's all about choices. Life is all about choices and making wise choices. Malcolm Gladwell in this book called Blink, that's a a bestseller, he talks about the choices that we have to make, and he does it from the the, from the angle of the split second, what he calls what he calls uh, thin slicing decisions that we have to make. Those decisions that like, boom, we got to do, we got to do something. We got to do something now. Armadillo, you got to get out of the road. We got to do something now and we got to make some decisions. And he goes on in this book and he says that snap second judgments are often more accurate than when we take the time to analyze a situation. Because if we overanalyze a situation, we have paralysis by analysis. You ever been there? You know, it's like the hunter. It's like the hunter that's out there and he's been waiting for that big buck to come out. And the buck comes out and so he's ready. Aim, 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 aim. And the buck walks away. See, a lot of times we've got a split second to make a choice and to do something and to move forward. It's what we call a gut feeling. In the book, Gladwell says, our unconscious reactions come out of a locked room and we can't look inside of the room. Guided by experience, a person can become an expert and it's up to us to figure things out from experience. What experiences have you had? Some really good, I bet. Some really not good, I bet. Did you learn anything? 
Hopefully you learned as much from the not good as from the good. And you're ready to move forward with new experiences. We've been in this exciting journey. I I think it's been exciting. Through the seven churches that Jesus asked his buddy John to write letters or postcards to that are found in the book of Revelation in the second and third chapter. We're going to be on the last one of those churches today. It's in Revelation chapter 3. So far, here's what we've witnessed. We've witnessed witnessed this progression of destructive choices in churches, and it has been a progression. Look at where we've been so far in these. We started with the church at Ephesus, and what were they? They were doing good, remember? They were doing good. And, And what Jesus said, and John wrote down for them was, you're doing good, but you've lost that loving feeling. Remember that? You don't love me or each other like you used to. You're doing good. But, but we got to see more love. We got to see more love come out. And then we got to the church at Smyrna. Jason was talking about it. They were doing really good, but they were attacked for it. They were persecuted because of what they were doing that, that was good. And then we got to the church at Pergamum, and they were doing some good, but they began to tolerate some things. There were some things going on that they just kind of tolerated and they looked the other way. And then we got to Thyatira and not only were they tolerating them, but they were compromising and they were inviting that Jezebel. Remember that Jezebel? They were inviting her and, and her practices into the worship experience. And then we got to Sardis and Jason told us that church was almost dead. It's kind of on life support. Kind of on life support, and, and, and the, little, the little blips on the screen weren't very defined. They were just barely hanging on. And then we kind of transitioned a little bit last week, and we went to Philadelphia. Remember, we did the rocky stuff, and we talked about how Jesus said the church at Philadelphia was doing everything good against all odds, against that synagogue of Satan that was there. And even in spite of that, they were doing really, really good. And he said all good things about him. He had no commendations, uh, condemnations about him at all. Just way to go, way to go, way to go. And now we get to this last church. The church at Laodicea. And here's what's interesting. The church at Laodicea is the exact opposite of the church at Philadelphia. Where the church at Philadelphia wasn't doing anything wrong. They were doing, the church at Laodicea wasn't doing anything right. They weren't doing anything right at all. They were playing the fence when they had to choose. When they had to make a choice. Uh, a guy was doing a man on the street interview, and here was his question. He was asking people, what are the two greatest problems facing the nation today? If you were asked that question, do you know what you would answer? What are the two greatest problems facing our nation today? One guy came to him, he asked that question, and the guy said, I don't know, and I don't care. And the reporter said, that's exactly right. Ignorance and apathy. And those two things have been facing the church almost since the beginning in certain areas and at certain times. Ignorance, I don't know. And apathy, I just don't care. Some choices, some choices that we make have fatal consequences. Marie Antoinette was the queen of France and she made a last minute decision that destroyed all chance of her family escaping death. In 1791, Marie Antoinette and her husband, King Louis XVI, were planning uh, a counter-revolution against the French rebels and decided to flee uh, for Paris to hide out and to stay there. Uh, and General Belay, one of their generals, came to them and advised them that they needed to take, the famine needed to take two carriages for the journey. But Marie Antoinette insisted that they travel in the fancier carriage. 
because it looked nice. What's the problem with the fancier carriage if you're a queen? Everyone knows who's in it. And she put herself out and put her husband and king out and they became targets. They were captured, eventually killed. Split second choices. You got to make them, but you got to make them right. You got to make them well. You got to learn from experience and you got to listen to wise counsel along the way. If you got your Bibles open, let's look at Revelation chapter 3 and let's jump down to verse 14 where Jesus starts uh, talking and John starts writing. Here's what he says. This letter, write this letter to the angel of the church at Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. You see what Jesus does there? He does the same thing he's been doing with the previous six churches. He gives them an introduction of who it's to, and he gives the knowledge of who it's from, and then he begins to talk. So this letter is to the, the, the angel of the church at Laodicea, and therefore all the people of the church at Laodicea, and it's from Jesus. The beginning, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, as Revelation talks about as well. The beginning and the end, here I'm going to talk to you, and you need to listen. You need to listen to what I have to say. Now, Laodicea is an interesting town. It's a fascinating town. I learned so much this week studying and reading about Laodicea. It is a very, it was a very, very affluent city uh, in that day and time, especially it was founded by uh, Antiochus uh, and it was named after his wife Laodicea. And so he named this city after her. And the interesting thing, we've talked a lot about, about commerce in this series and about waterways and stuff. Well, well, Laodicea is very far inland, and so waterways weren't the thing, but they had highways. Now, I don't know what their highways looked like, dirt roads, right? But, but they, they were big ones. This was, Laodicea was at the intersection of three major highways in that time. So it made it a place of commerce. But I want you to think of it this way. Think about Louisville, Kentucky. I-65, I-64, I-71. Three major interstates right there. And then if you go just a little bit to the east and you get to Lexington and you throw in I-75 as well. And so we're in this hotbed of commerce. And that's one of the reasons that this part of the country, this part of the state has grown is because you've got all these interstates, you've got international airports, and you've got the Ohio River. So our area of the country is very much like Laodicea. It's a hot spot for commerce because there's so many ways to commute and to transport things around here. And Laodicea was known for three things. You need to remember these. These are important. Laodicea is known for three things. It was known for its wealth from banking. They were the hub of banking in Asia Minor at that time. It was known for its manufacturing. In particular, in particular, they had a textile mill, if you would. I, I'm sure it didn't look like a mill for us today, but they had a textile factory that produced black wool. And that was, the one, once again, it was kind of like the purple uh, that we talked about before. Black was a sign. Uh, it, it's, it meant something when you were dressed in all black. Now, I get it. I know. I know. I know in our world it means something too. It means that we're trying to be slimmer. Okay, that's why we wear black, right? That's why we wear black. And you can't wear white before Easter. So, so anyway, they're, they're, they're wearing black. And the third thing they were known for was a medical school. I find that kind of interesting. 
They had a medical school. And it wasn't just any medical school. It was actually what we would call a school of optometry. They, they focused on the eyes. And in particular, the thing they focused on was they had figured out how to create this salve that you could put on your eyes that would help your vision. It would be kind of like... <laughs> their version of cataract surgery, all right? They, it was just something that you could use on your eyes to improve your vision, and that's what they, they were known for. And they were so wealthy. Get this, you know, we've been talking about earthquakes a lot in this series because this part of the world had a lot of earthquakes. Well, Laodicea was destroyed by an earthquake in, in 60 AD, but they were so wealthy that they refused the help of Rome in rebuilding. They were like, we got this. You keep your money. We got this. That, that's kind of like arrogant and wealthy all at the same time. And that's, that's what Laodicea was. And in Laodicea, there's this church that was established by Paul. And, and the people there, the, the people there had heard from Paul. They'd seen, they actually in the book of Colossians in chapter 4 and verse 16, you flip over there and you look and you'll see that Paul tells the church at Colossae to be sure and share their letter with the church at Laodicea and to remind them that I wrote them one as well. So I don't know what happened to the letter of Laodicea. We don't have it. We don't have it. But he cared about the church. But this church... This church had been hijacked. They were victims of their environment. They were victims of this mentality that we're wealthy beyond imagination. Uh, that we can, we, we've got all these industries. We're smart. We've created this salve that would help you. And, and so they're victims of their environment. And because of this, what we're going to see here as we dig into this letters, Jesus brings four charges against them. And then at the very end, he gives them a plea bargain. Let's look at the four charges. The first one starts in the very next verse, in the very next verse, in verse 15. Look what it says here. I know all the things that you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, not hot nor cold, I will spit you out out of my mouth. Now let's get one thing out of the way here. That word spit, that's the New Living Translation. That word is not completely accurately translated in that translation. Because the Greek word that was used there uh, is actually like vomit. I will vomit you out of my mouth. You know, you know what it feels like when you got something going on inside of you and you're like I just got to get this out of me. <laughs> and, 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 you know, it's the virus or whatever, and it's a miserable feeling. But do you also remember, and some of you experienced it, maybe this week even, that there's something like, sometimes as soon as you get it out of you, you feel better. You, you immediately feel better because you got whatever that junk was that was messing you up. It's out of you. And Jesus says, you guys are so messed up that I'm just going to vomit you out of my... And he says this to an entire church, the church at Laodicea. He starts with this reminder. We talked about it last week. I know all the things that you do. <laughs> that's, that's paralyzing, right? We, we talked about that. How is it when people know every thing that you do. So he knew that the church was lukewarm. And, and, and when he talked about being lukewarm... That was really under, Jesus was the master 
of taking things that applied to a certain environment, a certain situation, and using it as a teaching tool. And to call the church at Laodicea lukewarm was masterful. Because Laodicea, they had all these highways, but they didn't have any water source at all. And so it wasn't like where we have big water companies and they can pump water in. So Laodicea had to get their water through an aqueduct that they built all the way up to a town to the north called Heropolis. And in Heropolis, they were famous for their hot springs. All right? And so they had all these hot But what do you, can you imagine? Hot springs about five miles away. And we're going to just let it flow down through this aqueduct that we've dug. What do you think that water's going to feel like by the time it gets there? It's, it's no longer hot. It, it's no longer hot. It's lukewarm. Now, the interesting thing was just about five miles to the east, there's a town called Colossae. And guess what they had? They had cool springs. They had cool springs. And so here you've got Laodicea right in between. This is so cool. This is a, Jesus is a master teacher. You've got this city. I think we've even got a map of, the, of these cities here. You've got, you see, you've got Hierapolis up here that is hot springs. And you've got Colossae down here that's cool springs. And kind of right in the middle, off to the side, you've got Laodicea that's neither hot nor cold. The, the water they get is all lukewarm. They, they can't keep it cool to get it from Colossae. They can't keep it warm from him. And so it's just lukewarm. So what Jesus said, your lives are lukewarm. They immediately knew what he was talking about. They had understood lukewarm water. All the, and I mean, come on. I guess maybe sort of kind of when you're taking a shower, you know, something might look like lukewarm water. But how many coffee drinkers we got in the house? Any coffee drinkers in the house? Okay, let's do, let's do a test here. This is interesting. How many of you love hot coffee? All right. How many of you like iced coffee? Concept that doesn't even make sense to me, okay? How many are real fans of lukewarm coffee? A few. Okay, Lord Jesus, be with these people because they are lukewarm. <laughs> the majority either like it hot or cold. <laughs> In fact, my, my mom is 90 years old and she wants it like scalding. I mean, I mean, just until like now that she can't go to restaurants, but just a few years ago, if I took her to Cracker Barrel for breakfast, she's running that server's legs off because as soon as it's below scalding, she wants a refill. I don't get that either. But Jesus is a master teacher and he says, you guys are lukewarm. Here's, here's what lukewarm does. They, their lukewarmness was seen and they're not being willing to take a stand against anything. They're just kind of getting by. Don't ruffle with feathers. I don't want to get involved. I don't want to say anything. That might not be politically correct if I speak up against that. And, and so Jesus said, yeah, I want to vomit. You guys make me want to vomit. And, and, and it led them to idleness and they became hardened and self-satisfied and they were destroying themselves from the inside out. Do you know that your body can only live so long without eating? That if you decide, I got to get rid of this weight. So as of today, I'm not eating for a month. You realize that somewhere in that period of time, your body's going to start eating itself. 
for the minister because it can't survive. It can't survive in that state of idleness and doing nothing. And, and followers of God have been called to make choices from the very, very beginning. Remember Genesis 3? We talked a little bit about it last week. Genesis 3, everything is great. Everything's wonderful. You know, God has created this utopia, and he's showing up every night and walking in the garden. That's what the Bible tells us, that Adam and Eve would stroll with, through the garden with God in the evening, the cool of the evening. And then this snake shows up and gives Eve a choice. Why don't you eat of that tree? Oh, no, I can't do that. Yeah, I know why you can't do that, because if you eat of that tree and you eat of that fruit, you'll know just so much as God knows, and he doesn't want you to know that, so that's why he doesn't want you to eat of that tree. And there was a choice. There was a choice. From the very beginning, life has been about choices. There's this time a little bit later in Scripture where Moses is getting ready to hand the baton off to Joshua. Moses has made some bad choices on his own, one in particular that caused God to tell him, you don't get to go into the promised land. And so he's getting ready to hand the baton to Joshua. And this is his kind of final address to them. And it's found in the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 30. And it's like Moses is saying, here, I want you to make a choice. Step up, pick a side. Look what it says. It says, now listen. This is a New Living Translation. Now listen, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, his decrees, his regulations by walking in his ways. And if you do this, you will live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. And he goes on and he says this, but if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and if you're drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you, I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long good life in the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. But catch this. Today, Moses says, today, I have given you the choice between life and death. And he's speaking for God here. They've given you this choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would what? Choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. Life is all about choices. If God were were standing in our midst today, in a physical, visible way, I believe he is without a doubt here. He's been here since we started worshiping. He's been here before we started, and he'll be here when we're done. But if he were standing in front of us in a way that we could see him, we could see him, what would you choose? If God said, step up, pick a side, Here, you can choose life or you can choose death. I pray that you choose life. Don't be lukewarm. Hey, when you came in today, hopefully you got a card that looks something like this. Get that out real quick right now. Get that out. If you didn't get one, there's a bunch of them out there in the lobby. Get it because I want you to take this with you. I don't want this back. This is for you. I want you to stick it on your mirror in the bathroom. I want you to stick it on the dashboard, your car, your desk, wherever you're going to see this on a regular basis. And it's a really simple thing uh, that just has a thermometer, hot or cold. It has a reminder of this scripture. And, and, And I want you to just think about your life. And I want you to, in the spaces that are here, the blank spaces, I want you to individually write... What areas of your life would you say are lukewarm right now? 
What areas of your life are lukewarm right now? And then I want you to flip it over and I want you to write what you're going to do about it. Maybe write a prayer and maybe ask God to help you with that area of your life. There, hopefully you would have some that you would list that are hot. And, and you know, I, when I first heard this passage as a kid growing up, I thought, why would, why would Jesus say, I wish you were hot or cold? I mean, cold doesn't sound good. Remember when we're little kids and we're trying to find something and, and, you're, and they're looking for it and it's over there. No, you're getting warmer. You're getting, you're getting hotter. You're getting, no, 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 you're colder. That means you're getting farther away. Why would you? You know, sometimes it's easier to take something that's cold, that take a person that's cold, that doesn't know, that is far from God and lead them to God. It's easier sometimes to do that than it is someone who's lukewarm and thinks they have all the answers. You know, as someone who's coached a lot of sports in my life, I'd much rather get a kid that's never played something than a kid that was taught wrong. Because once you're taught to throw or to swing or to shoot or whatever, once you're taught wrong, it's really hard to unteach it and reteach it. Jesus said, I wish you were either hot or cold. Because you're lukewarm, you're making me sick. We got to move on. The second charge that Jesus gives is in verse 17. Look at verse 17 and what the text says. It says, you say, I am rich, because that, you know, they, were, they were proud of that. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Remember, this is a wealthy place. And that's the second charge. The first one was, you're just lukewarm. The second one is, you're consumed by your wealth. You're you're trying to say, I'm rich. Look what I've got. Look what I've got. They were known for their banking industry, which gave them a false sense of security. Now, on one hand, understand, don't, don't, don't mishear me. Don't mishear me. There's nothing wrong with money. Jesus encourages us to go out and to earn and to make money, to make a living, but to use it wisely. Acquiring possessions and wealth has an intoxicating effect. You know what that means? What gets addicts in trouble? How much is enough? Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more of whatever. And it becomes intoxicating. Jesus said, you can't serve both God and money. And if money was distracting to a church in Laodicea all those years ago, a church on the edge of the desert with no water and all those things, if money was intoxicating to that church, how intoxicating do you think it is in our culture today? Did you know, this startled me. I read this this week and, and it startled me. That in 2021, the 22 statistics aren't out yet, but in 2021, and this is by people self-identifying themselves. In other words, somebody stops you on the street and says, are you a Christian? And you say yes, okay? So people who self-identified themselves, that the average Christian in America in 2021 gave less percentage of their income to the Lord than Christians in the Great Depression. That shocked me. But it didn't. Because we live in a world that has become lukewarm over a lot of things. It's not that important. We, we've got to get our money and we've got to keep it. So if this were the same thing about our finances, I think Jesus would be saying to us today, 
I, I put a choice before you between greed and generosity. And I think he would say, choose generosity. Choose generosity in all things. It's one of our core values. When Jason teaches this in Pathways and he gets to the give, he talks about one of the things he talks about give is we're not as focused on giving as we just want to be generous. We just want to be generous in everything that we do. So the second charge against this church was they were consumed by their wealth. The first charge was they were lukewarm. Let's get to the third charge, all right? It's in the next part of verse 18. And it's all, has all the, about their apparel. And, but really the charge is between light and darkness. Look what it says there in the text. It says, also buy white garments from me so that you will be shamed by your nakedness. Hmm. Laodicea was also known for their textile industry, in particular the black garments that we talked about. It was known as a symbol of pride just like a brand name today. Check it out. This is whatever. This purse is whatever. This, this outfit, this dress, these shoes, whatever. And just like we can get impressed by a name brand today, they were impressed by their, by their black garments. You know the interesting thing about fashion? Fashion trends are so interesting because they seem to be so cyclical. They, they just keep coming back around. I grew up in the, I was a teenager in the late 70s. I remember that going to middle school and high school dances in the middle of Saturday Night Fever with bell bottoms on. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you are Googling bell bottoms right now. But anyway, you know what I'm doing. And, and, and then all of a sudden, by the 80s, bell bottoms were gone. And, and the fashion industry was sure that those things would never come back. But they did. I don't know which is worse, that or skinny jeans. I don't know. Man, if our worship leaders start wearing bell bottoms, I'm losing it, all right? Here's, the, here's something. Every generation has its own sense of cool. But it almost always looks silly to the next generation. Jesus says, you guys are putting so much time on those black robes. Why don't you put on something else? People lay out of sea thought that they were clothed in coolness. But Jesus saw past their outward appearance and knew that they were clothed in darkness, which unfortunately meant that they were surrounded by darkness. And all that apparel does is cover up our nakedness. White or dark. That's really all it does. And that's what we want to do. We want to cover up our nakedness. We don't want the world to see our blemishes but much more than our physical blemishes we really don't want the world to see our spiritual blemishes and so we work really hard at covering them up but here's what Jesus is interested in Jesus when he's talking about this Jesus really doesn't care about the clothes that they're wearing He says, I want you to allow me to unclothe you and clean you up. To clean you up. Not your physical blemishes, not those wrinkles and and age spots and all those kind of... No, I I want to clean you up spiritually. And that's what it's really all about. See, when we clothe ourselves as God would, the things of this world truly lose their appeal to us. Which brings us to the fourth charge fourth charge is at the end of verse 18 he said an ointment for your eyes get rid of that so you'll be able to see 
He said, I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. They were known for their, their medical hospital and their factory. And they thought that was really cool. And Jesus takes this marker and turns it to their spiritual sight. Not just their vision, but their spiritual sight. The church had grown lukewarm, and because of that, they lost their burning vision for the lost. Because that's what compromise and tolerance will do. Compromise and tolerance will lead to blindness. And sometimes it's physical blindness. Sometimes it's not even literal. How many of you... You're watching a ball game and the ref misses a call and all you can think to yell is, didn't you see that? Or maybe it's your kid. Can't you see what you're doing? And, and so sometimes when we say things like that, we're not talking about actual blindness, but we're talking about implied blindness. And compromise and tolerance lead to blindness. Remember those blind spots we talked about a few weeks ago? Those blind spots that when we're driving and we better check what's going on around us because if not, the blind spots will get us in trouble. And Jesus is inviting the Laodiceans and I think the Shelbyvillians to renew their focus, to keep the main thing the main thing. We got to make sure that we keep the main thing the main thing. Stanislav Petrov may not be a household name. But without him, you wouldn't have a household. Because Petrov was a lieutenant for the Soviet Union Air Defense Forces that was working an overnight shift in September of 1983. And on that night, he saw on his radar screen in front of him, he saw five, what looked like five missiles coming from the U.S., Five nuclear missiles that were headed toward Russia from the U.S. And, and he could have easily pushed the panic button. He could have easily sounded the alarms. But instinctively, in that blink second decision, he thought, why would they only send five? If this was going to be all out war, the screen would be covered. And he began to check and he found... A glitch, a short or something in his radar screen and realized that his instinct was right, that it wasn't full-out nuclear war. Many experts have said that and the Bay of Pigs were the closest things in our history to causing all-out nuclear war. But it was all about this guy making a wise choice. Life is all about choices. And about making wise choices along the way. Now, I told you there were four charges. What were the four charges? They were lukewarm. They were consumed by wealth. They were worried about what they're wearing. They, they were blind. But there's one plea bargain. And this is so cool. I want you to see this at the very end of this section of Scripture. It starts in verse 20. Look what it says here. This is so cool. Check this out. Look, I stand at the door and knock. And if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. I put a word up here that I didn't read just now. 
That word in parentheses is to remind me and is descriptive. Because remember last week when we talked about Jesus said that he would open doors that no one could close and he would close doors that no one else could open. And then to the church at Laodicea, he says, you guys are a mess. You ain't got nothing right. You've screwed it all up completely. And then check this out. In this last thing, in this last plea bargain against their four charges that they have against them, he offers them this. He offers them grace. Because Jesus could have said, and now I am slamming the door on Laodicea. Instead, he said, you need one more chance? You need one more chance to get this right? Uh, Open the door. Open the door. Listen, guys. Some of you, some of you, Some of you are here today because you needed one more chance. Because you needed one more chance to open the door for the one that's knocking on the door of your heart. And you need to invite Jesus in. Where are you today? Do you want to please the Lord? Do you want to put on a show and sing songs and, and say, I got my Jesus on today, check mark, and move on? Understand that some of that, if this isn't right, some of that makes Jesus want to puke. Do you want to get it right? Life's all about choices. And Jesus is saying today, I put before you, Life and death. And I pray that you would choose life. Would you guys stand with me? It's time to make some choices. Maybe your choice needs to be to where you are, to to renew that commitment that you made already in your life. And say, God, I want to get serious about this. I'm sorry. I got to turn up the heat because I realize it's been lukewarm. And maybe you just need to do that. I'm just going to invite you. Please stay in here. Please stay in here. Because we're inviting people to come this way. We don't need them to run into people going that way. Okay? All right? Some of you just need to get down on your knees at your seat or up from wherever makes sense to you. And just pray, God, I want to get this right. I want to choose life. And some of you, like... I know one person's going to do in the next service. Some of you need to make the ultimate choice for life today and give your life to Jesus. Why don't you do that? Why don't you do that? Why don't you invite God in and open the door today? Let's worship and let's choose wisely. I've got nothing new How could I express All my gratitude I could sing these songs As I often do Every song must end And you never do 
come on my soul Don't you get shy on me Lift up your soul Cause you've got a lion inside of your lungs Get up and praise the Lord Come on my soul oh, Don't you get shy on me Lift up your soul Cause you've got a lion this is your first time that you came today, man, I'm so glad that you're here. We've got a gift for you out at our I'm New Wall. You can't miss it out in the lobby. Brett and his team are out there. Stop out there. Hey, and it, it, decision time is not over. I'm going to be right down here. Kim's going to be down here. We'd love to talk to you. We've already got one baptism next hour. Might as well add another or two or five. So, you know, come on. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Uh, and if you've been here for a while and have been thinking about, man, this is it. I got, this is home. I've got to make this my home. And I've got to take the next step. Pathways for February is this Tuesday night. You can either sign up online or right now, as soon as we're done, you can go back to that counter that's right back in that cove back there and see Bobby, and he can get you hooked up, signed up for Tuesday night at 6 o'clock for Pathways. You don't want to miss it. Man, I'm glad you guys are here. God is up to something. And let's ride the way. Let's ride the way. All right? Hey. Get out of here. Go love God, love people, and watch Him keep changing the world. Hey guys, 